Hello again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 13 of Radiance, my Fallout fan fiction. I do hope you've been enjoying this little stroll through the Fallout universe that I've created, full of crazy tail death claws, robo girls that now live inside human heads, tele- telekinetic humans that can throw tunnels at people. Bit of a different story, few less bugs, not by many I suppose than a Bethesda original, but hey I try my best. So, as always, you can like and subscribe this to this work. That'll obviously help me grow the channel. Leave me feedback any way you can. And without further ado, this is Ghost Nobody saying, Welcome to Radiance. Oh, and the usual disclaimer. I don't own Fallout. It's all Bethesda's. The bugs are all theirs. I just own Crazy Dink Tail Deathclaws. Yep, they're all mine. Ha 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 ha. On with the show. Chapter 13 Blind love and secret admirers. Fenn's heart nearly leapt out of his chest when Gregory told him his feelings for him. The utterly adorable, gentle little human was so embarrassed and was so obviously fighting the urge to run away. But he stayed the course, and when the words left his lips, Venn's heart both exploded and melted all at the same time. He simply couldn't ever remember feeling so happy in his life before. He threw his long arms around the slender little human and being so careful not to injure him by accident in his excitement, plucked him from the ground and held him tightly against his chest, before just as he'd seen Visa and Seven do, leaned in to kiss Gregory. It was a bit awkward what with their size difference, and, well, having two razor-sharp horns on the side of your head, but Ven managed to line himself upright, so only their lips met. No sooner had he done so than he felt the soft, incredibly warm and surprisingly plump human male lips press against his own. Then electric began flowing up and down his spine like water. In that very instant, he realised exactly why humans did this. It was the most wonderful and intimate thing ever. Just being so incredibly close to someone, you could actually taste their saliva on your own lips. It was an utterly new experience for him. That's when Gregory parted those soft, plump, masculine lips and utterly melted Ven's brain as well as his heart by licking his lips with his small human tongue like he was begging him to open his mouth. So he did. The feeling of having Gregory's flat, wide, warm human tongue inside his mouth was utterly indescribable. The way he nervously licked and tasted Ven's long fangs before moving on to explore his own tongue with his, was mind-bending. Ven found himself coiling his own tongue around Gregory's like he was trying to tie it down so he could never pull it out and it was remain in his mouth forever. The pair remained joined like that for a good few minutes before finally his beautiful little human lover had to break and come up for air. Human lung capacity was nowhere near that of a claw but that was just one more thing to add to the ever-growing list of things Ven loved about his delicate little beautiful male. That's when Ven got his neck shock, as he stood gazing into Gregory's beautiful eyes, trying to gauge whether he'd done well and whether his little human was happy. There came a clapping noise. That was rapidly joined by a second. Ven turned his large horned head to find both his sister and Seven stood there watching them and clapping. He'd been so utterly lost in the embrace and the kiss that he'd utterly forgot they were even there. Well done, you two. Congratulations. Now, Gregory, remember, 
Claw Love Club meetings are every Thursday, and it's always bring your own claw, Seven said in a voice that carried his smile along with it through the air. Gregory was still blushing hard, making his face make that cherry red colour, smiled at his fellow human brightly. Well, looks like I got my claw to bring, but I thought the meetings were on Tuesdays, he said playfully, and Seven roared with laughter and clapped him on the shoulder. Yeah, I realised one meeting a week wasn't enough. They're kind of impatient creatures at times, he said, shooting Visa a playful smile, while she gently cuffed him in the head with the tail in response. Then Seven turned to face Ven, and the little snow-furred human looked up at him with his bright eyes shining with an inner fire. You look after this one, Ven. You think finding a human that likes claws is hard? Try finding one that likes claws of their own gender. This man here is your diamond in the rough. So you love him as hard as that claw heart of yours can, and you prove to him that gigantic leap of faith he just took was fucking worth it. You hear me? Seven said, his voice filled with the same fire his eyes were. Ben felt actually flattered by this, because not only did it show that Seven was actively trying to promote love between claws and humans, but he was showing Gregory that he was willing to stand for him, and for his love for Ven, which meant he'd be willing to defend their right to have it as well. A notion that he'd never in his life even conceived of. A human standing up for a claw's right to love a human and vice versa. You have nothing to fear, Seven. This human is guarded now. While I draw breath, nothing will ever take him from me, or harm a single strand of fur on his beautiful head, Ben said, turning and very gently running his hand over Gregory's cheek relishing the feel of the silk smooth skin as he did. Suddenly he understood why beautiful humans did that thing, with a knife every morning now, and kept the skin so soft and smooth that it was like a claw magnet. Gregory lifted his head and Ven's claw gently traced the line of his jaw, stroked his skin and gifted him with the warmest of smiles that made Ven's heart utterly glow. He kept having so many delicious and naughty thoughts about throwing the beautiful human over his shoulder before scampering off with him to find a quiet spot in the mine where he could show him just how loving and gentle a claw could really be. A heavier footstep snapped Ven out of his beautiful daydream and he lifted his head around to see his sister stood before him and for an awful moment he thought she was going to slap him and call him a bunch of vile names. But the blow never came. Instead, Visa stepped forward and embraced him tightly. I'm so glad you finally figured out who you really are, brother, she said softly, and Ven's heart slept in his chest. Wait, you knew? he exclaimed, and she brought her head up to look him right in the eye. You're my brother, Ven. I've always known you were different to other claws. I saw the way you looked at female and male claws, like they were both the same to you. You had the same wanting and dreamy look in your eyes every single time. Pains me to know that you had to keep this part of you hidden for so long because of what our pack would have done if they ever found out you liked males and females, she said softly. Ven just stood there like a statue. It was like all of his muscles had simply turned to lead. Then he slowly wrapped his arms around his sister and put his head into her shoulder. Thank you, Visa. Thank you for always being there for me. He said, his voice choking up a little bit. 
Visa stroked his scales and the spines on his broad back. That's something you never have to thank me for, brother. Because you just are that, my brother. You've always been there for me, no matter what. Now it's my turn, and guess what? We get to be there for one another, as we take these first steps down a road that no claw has ever walked before. A road to human love, she said softly. And slowly she released him, and with a large warm smile, she turned, taking Seven by the hand, and leading him over to their sleeping nest, where she pulled him into the mess of old sheets atop the two mattresses, where they would be sleeping for the night. Ven turned to Gregory, who was also watching them, and he smiled down at his little human, and by gods did it feel good to think, and also say that, his little human. About time we turned in two, three, I think. we got a long walk tomorrow, and I think we'll need our rest, Ven said softly, and Gregory nodded, allowing him to steer him to the other nest that he'd prepared for them both, more in hope that the beautiful human would be brave enough to join him, rather than expectance. But now, now he had everything he could ever have wanted, all wrapped up in a delicious skin that he could not wait to unwrap and see with his own eyes. In fact, when Gregory took some of those infernal human coverings off to get into the nest, Ven felt like he was teasing him, hinting at the beauty that remained hidden below those cough covers. Oh, how he wished he simply could mate with him tonight, take that final leap of pure faith, and revel in the purest joys with his little human. But it simply wouldn't be right to push him like that. Ven could already see that he had taken every ounce of strength that Gregory had to take this first beautiful step towards him. For now, that was more than enough. The rest would undoubtedly come, because as he lay now next to him, he saw a look in the beautiful human's eyes that told him everything he needed to know. He saw desire. Gregory turned and slid himself across the mattress, right into Ven's waiting arms. He felt his slender body press against him, as if he was trying to be as close to him as possible. He wrapped his arms around his beautiful human boy, as he felt his arms wrap around him, as far as they would go anyway. I always feel so safe in your arms, Ven. Gregory mumbled into his chest, and Ven felt him punctuate the statement with a kiss, directly to the scales over his heart. And you always will be, Greg. I swear it to you, Ven murmured back. I love you, Ven. I don't know how or why it happened, and nor do I care. The only thing I care about is the fact that I love you, and you love me right back. It's like a dream come true. I finally look at a guy, and he looks right back at me the same way. I couldn't have picked a more bigger, more handsome man to fall in love with now, could I? Gregory said, lifting his fur-top head to smile at him. Then beamed from horn to horn right back at him. Well, I am handsome, he said playfully, and he felt Gregory laugh and push him gently before smiling back up at him. You bet that sexy tail of yours you are, he said playfully, but there was also a sultry note to his voice as well. Oh, so you like my tail, do you? Tell me, what else of mine do you like, hmm? Ven asked teasingly, smiling in delight as he saw his little human flush slightly. What's not to like? Well, I suppose if I had to choose, you have awesome legs. They just seem to go on forever, 
Gregory said, and then murred softly in his chest. Flattery would get you everywhere, my beautiful little human. So do go on, Ven prodded gently. Gregory smiled shyly. I'll tell you if, what I like about you if you tell me what you like about me first, he said playfully, and Ven grinned. Oh, this little human was getting bold now, was he? All right, then. Well, you have that super soft fur on your head that just begs me to run my claws through it. You have skin that feels like silk and utterly glows whenever I embrace you, which only makes me want to do it more because you look utterly delicious in red. You look so tender and sensitive, like my lightest touch would make you shiver and writhe in my claws. And you have the cutest little rear end I've ever seen. Makes my mouth water just thinking about it. And before you ask, yes, I think about it a lot, Ben said playfully getting exactly the reaction he'd hoped for when Gregory flushed deep red. Well, I, uh, um, th th thank you. No, no one's ever said anything like that to me before. You you really like my bum? He said, making Ven's heart shiver along with his whole body at the beauty of it all. He nodded his big head. It looks like a juicy apple that just begs me to take a bite, Ven said, trying his best to do a sultry voice. He heard Gregory gasp and shiver lightly in his arms. It seems his words was really starting to strike a nerve with this beautiful little human. I, I, I like yours too, he said softly, and then saw an instant opportunity. Oh, and what do you like about it exactly? He asked, smiling as he saw Gregory's flush deepen again. At this rate, he wasn't going to have any blood left for his internal organs. It was all going to be in his skin trying to escape. Oh, it looks like it was carved. It looks like it's stro so strong and exotic, and, and I like the way your tail swishes when you walk. It's like you're teasing me by repeatedly hiding it, Gregory confessed after taking a deep breath beforehand. Ben felt a deep, rumbly purr rise in his chest. He slowly leaned down and lifted his human's chin with the tip of his claw so that he was looking right into his eyes. And when we get the chance to be alone, my sweet human boy, I may very well just show it to you. If you're a good human boy, that is. Would you like that? Your big, handsome, strong claw boy lifting his tail and showing you what he's got hidden underneath it? He purred in the most sultry voice he could muster. But in truth, inside he was shaking like a leaf. He'd never said anything like that to anyone before. Gregory's breath seemed to catch in his chest, and Ven felt him shiver in his arms, and he decided to push his advantage a little. Oh, you like the thought of that, do you, my sweet little delicious human boy? The thought of your strong claw lifting his tail for you, and showing you what sweet treats he's got hidden under it all for you. He said gently, stroking Gregory's cheek with his claw along his slender back. His little human shivered and squirmed in his arms. It seemed that he liked Ven's words, and they were arousing him. He felt his heartbeat speeding up enough that he could feel it through his coverings against his scaly chest. He also smelt a deep, musky scent coming from his little human. It seemed to fog his head with every deep breath. Y yes, oh God, I want that. I want that so much, Gregory stammered in the cutest way Ven could have ever imagined. It was like he was discovering a side of himself that he'd never known about 
for the very first time, seeing himself in a completely new light. That should be yours, my sweet little human boy. All you have to do is be a good human for your big, strong claw, and he'll give you the sweetest claw treats your human heart could ever want, Ven said in a deep, husky voice, his own arousal burning through him like fire. It's taking literally all of his strength to stop his maleness from emerging from its hidden pouch, trying to worm itself into his human's coverings in search of its new burrow. Every fibre of his being wanted to tear the coverings from Gregory's body and to take him right there and then. But he knew at the centre of his heart that it would be totally the wrong play. He would scare his beautiful human boy half to death. And after something like that, he would most likely never talk to Ven again, let alone let him anywhere near him. No, he had to make his beautiful human's first time something special, something magical, something to prove to him that he could give him everything his heart had ever dared to dream of, and so much more. He had to show him that he was no animal, that he was his equal lover, that he was Gregory's claw, and to Gregory only he belonged. I, I will, I swear it. I'll be good for you. Gregory stammered softly, making Ven's heart leap with joy. He leaned down and lifted Gregory's chin, and then with a little manoeuvring, he kissed him full on the mouth, sliding his tongue into his mouth this time, letting his long tongue fill it and explore every single inch before extracting it and watching his little human pant softly. I know you will, my beautiful one. I know you will. Now come, let me be your pillow tonight. This chest of mine is more useful than just for looking good. So lay your pretty head down and come let your claw cuddle you to sleep, he said playfully. And with that he rolled his sweet human atop him and wrapped him up tightly in his love. With the creatures finally asleep, she could finally move. Slowly she unwound the screws that held the vent covering in place, and with a bit of work caught it before it fell and caused a whole lot of noise that would wake them all back up. She was going to have to be extra careful here, as the two small things were protected by claws. She had seen these things many times, vicious things that could kill her with a single swipe of those razor-sharp claws of those. Though these ones seemed different to all the ones she'd seen before. These ones talked. With the vent cover out of the way, she dropped down silently into the centre of the room, being careful not to let her long tail slap down and let, lest it rattle and wake them all up. She rose up to her full height after steadying herself and looked around the room. Her eyes were perfectly adapted to the darkness, letting her see everything in perfect detail. She deployed her camouflage before she dropped down to ensure that even if she did wake one of the claws up, She'd be utterly invisible to them. But these things were never to be underestimated. She'd seen one of these things cut through an entire pack of her feral brethren, just like they were made of paper before now, and she would not make the same mistake as they. She moved silently over to the first pair. The claw was female, and she was holding a male human in her arms against her chest. The pair were sleeping soundly. The sound of their breathing seemed to have synchronised into one single deep breath that they shared between them. Then she overheard the two humans talking in the other room beforehand. She'd re-entered this one. It seemed the female claw had somehow taken this human male as her mate, 
or how such a thing was possible, she didn't know. Humans were pretty, but they were bad. They hurt and killed everything they saw. They especially seemed to dislike her kind, though for why she didn't know. It pained her that everything she did know, she'd actually learned from humans. Smart humans in white coats that liked poking things with needles. That liked hurting to see if things hurt and how much they hurt. But they weren't the only type of humans. She'd seen quite a few types since her escape. The ones dressed in odd clothes made of leather with skulls and bones on them that liked killing and stealing from other humans. The ones that wore metal suits like the one the human the female claw held had come in that liked killing everything they didn't like. Humans that lived in big groups they called towns. In fact, she tried to hide in one of these towns when she'd first escaped. She thought that maybe it would be a good way to get food, and maybe just one or two of the humans might actually be kind and may help her, and she swiftly found out that that was a bad idea. She subconsciously robbed her shoulder where a large puckered scar, still hidden beneath her fur, its twin on the back of her shoulder. She remembered the burning hot pain like it never really happened a few seconds ago. If it hadn't been for her camouflage ability, she would have never got out of there alive. She leaned over the pair to get a good look at the male. She felt her heart thump hard in her chest. He was pretty. Why did he have to be pretty? His head was covered in snow-white fur and his features looked delicate and handsome. The female claw held him tightly against her chest, with his head resting between the swells there. She found herself looking down at her own chest in a bit of jealousy. Thankfully, she could see that her own cam- through her own camouflage, unlike everyone else, who could see nothing more than a shimmer, and that was only if she moved. If she remained still like she was now, they'd see nothing but clear air. Her own chest swells were raised up out of her fur. Not exactly small, but nowhere near the size of the female claw. Which was even more annoying given that they only seemed to be half a foot taller than her, out of seven and a half feet to her seven feet. They were both certainly bigger than a human that the female claw clutched protectively. She tasted the air with her incredibly sensitive tongue and her senses were flooded with a barrage of scents, the most powerful of which were the pheromones coming from both of them. They were utterly covered in each other's scent and it was so powerful that it seemed to merge into one, mixing and melding together. A soft sigh drew her attention as she turned her head to look at the other pair. Two males, by the looks of things. A male claw and a male human. It puzzled her as to why they were together like that. She padded silently over to them and leaned in close to have a look, tasting the air again as she did. The way the pair were wrapped up together looked like a mated pair. But they were both male. Surely such a thing wasn't possible, was it? A flick across her digigrade legs made her freeze in place like a statue as her heart hammered in her chest. Glancing down, her eyes picked out the culprit easily. The male claw's tail had simply brushed her as he shifted his position slightly. Silently, she stepped backwards away from them, careful not to step on the male's tail and awaken him. It was a source of constant annoyance and irritation to her that she thought of humans as pretty. She didn't even know why she did. To her they were a constant source of pain and misery. They'd never done anything but hurt her and chase her away from places 
and all she'd wanted to do was live the life she'd been given against her will. She'd never chosen to be born, especially not this way. Oh, how she envied her feral brethren, to live a life so carefree in blissful ignorance, simply hunting, sleeping and mating. It was all they seemed to know, or even care about. But she was different. Whether that to do with the smart humans in their white coats and masks, with their pointy needles, she couldn't say. They were, however, her first memories. She remembered it vividly like it was only yesterday, looking out of her empty little room and the world beyond it, all the humans in their white coats and masks, moving around, talking to one another, interacting with each other, while she was left all alone in her box, just wishing that one, just one, would come and talk to her. That one would show her a kind word, or even spare her an understanding glance. But that never happened. All she got was disgust and pain. In fact, that was something she'd come to realise that she shared with the claws that were laid here on the old, old human bedding. Humans' kind loved their kind as much as they did hers, chasing them out wherever they found them, despite the fact the claws had been there first and had never even gone near the humans. But then why were these two humans so different? That sudden question rattled around in her brain like a pebble kicked down a shaft. These two humans weren't either scared or reviled by the claws. In fact, these two humans had not only accepted them, but the looks of things, certainly the smell of things, well, at least from the male and female bear, mated with them. Did that mean they were good humans, after all? No sooner had that question entered her brain than she chased it back out. No. All humans did was hurt and kill. These two were no different, and she was sure that as soon as they found a way... They would kill the two claws, she was sure of it. But then why hadn't they done it already? Why go all to all the effort of getting so close to the strange human-speaking claws? One of them had tin suits, and both of those things humans called guns that spit hot metal and brought pain and death. They could have easily chased the two claws off at the very least. Why would they act like this with them? These confusing questions began to eat into her brain like maggots tearing through a rotten cut of mole-wrap meat. They weren't just confusing her now, they were irritating her beyond words. Not that she had an easy time using human words as it was. She could understand them easily enough thanks to the time in the box, but speaking it was kind of hard. She had come here only to take their food, but now a more pressing matter was eating at her. All these questions and no answers to any of them. She had to know. She had to get answers. The food could wait. There was always more rats anyway. The biggest question was how. How could she get her answers? She would need to get one of the humans alone so she could make him tell her. But how could she do that? Trying to pluck one of these creatures from the arm of their protective claws, a death sentence. A tiny shot of her venom would render them unconscious without killing them. A method she'd used many times when she'd been forced to steal food from human homes in her early days of freedom. Too much would kill him without anti-venom. But a small amount, a tiny amount, would simply knock them out for a few hours. Though it wouldn't work on a claw. They were crazy strong and resistant to all sorts of things. She'd seen one of these things get eight full bites from ferals and shrug them off like it was nothing. 
it hadn't even slowed them down. And that's if her fangs could even get through its scales. Those things were tough, like metal armour. That's when fate rolled her a winner. The snow-furred human made a low groaning noise and then sat up, stretching himself. The female claw opened her eyes for a moment and he simply mumbled something about needing the toilet. She nodded her big head and lay back down, falling pretty much back to sleep instantly again. She couldn't believe her luck. This was all how she could do it. She followed the snow-furred human as he moved the barricade that blocked the door in the form of his metal suit and crossed over into another room, taking his weapon with him. She followed him silently, careful not to wander into the circle of light that his lantern was casting. He walked up to one of those white bowl-shaped things on the wall and placed the lantern down on the floor near his feet. As she watched, he undid the lower half of his clothing and with one hand freed his maleness from it and began to urinate into the bowl that was attached to the wall. She had to wait for the right moment. It would be easy to hit him now, but she didn't fancy either of him or her being covered in strong-smelling urine. So she waited until he was finished. When just as he was putting his maleness away after shaking it dry, she struck. She grabbed hold of him from the rear, clamping one hand down over his mouth to prevent him yelling in alarm. She also pulled his head back to one side to expose his tender-looking neck. She didn't want to risk hitting something vital, as she knew that humans had major blood vessels in their necks, and hitting an artery would cause him to bleed to death. She didn't want to kill him, merely knock him out. So instead she bit into his shoulder. She felt her fangs slide easily into his soft skin, and when the human made a cry of both pain and panic, she felt it too. She injected him with a tiny, tiny amount of her venom, Truly a minuscule amount, because she knew that this stuff was incredibly potent stuff and could easily kill him. But years of practice had taught her just the right amount to use. After a few moments of fruitless struggling, the human began to slow as the venom took effect, and before long he'd gone limp as a bone fish in her arms. Quick as a flash, she shoved him up and slipped him over her shoulder, lifting his unconscious limp form onto her shoulder. Now all she had to do was get back to her hide and secure him so the claws didn't find him and her friend couldn't find him either. Then all she'd have all the time in the world to get the truth out of him. So with a bit of effort, as the unconscious dead weight of a human wasn't exactly an easy thing to carry through the tunnels, she made her way back through the winding passages. Till she reached the safety of her hide that had been her home now for quite some time. She knew every one of these tunnels since she'd be forced to use this place as her home. Though ironically, it hadn't been humans that had forced her in here. It had been those bloody giant hornet things. They had an annoying habit of being able to find her through her cloak by smelling her pheromones. Should she'd been forced to take cover in here. And given that not even humans seemed to want to come in here, she'd simply stayed put. It had fresh water, and if you knew where you were to look, plenty of mole rats and other small prey creatures. If you were willing to hunt for him, that was. She had made her home out of another of the stations, like the one the humans and the claws had been using, except hers was expertly hidden, so you could only find it if you both knew where to look, and that it was even there. She removed pretty much everything from the room to make herself a lot of space long ago, 
All that remained of the furniture that once occupied the room was a single bunk bed that she slept on, because she was not an animal, and she refused to sleep on the floor when she had a choice. So the beds were good enough for humans, they were good enough for her. She didn't need to light the room, so we didn't have any. Didn't stop her collecting human books, though. They'd been one of the only comforts she'd been allowed while in her box, and that was only because one day she'd managed to snatch one out of the pocket of one of the white coats. When they'd put her back in the box, she'd managed to keep it. At first, all she'd been able to do was look at the pictures and imagine what the life was like in the pictures. Though slowly, she'd managed through sheer perseverance and luck, managed to teach herself how to recognise and eventually read the human symbols. Then when they caught her with the book, rather than get angry and take it away from her like she'd expected, they got curious and gave her even more books. It was thanks to those books that she'd managed to stay somewhat sane during those long lonely years. So now she grabbed them wherever she could find them. Over the years she'd amassed quite a collection. They were her escape from the pains and torments of her real life, escaping into the worlds that those humans had created for others to wall themselves off in their own minds. So when all said and done, all she supposed she had to thank humans for that at least. Without them, she doubted she'd be alive, or at the very least, sane. She placed the unconscious human down on her bed. She thought about putting him on the floor to show him what it was like, but it'd be harder to secure him there. Here she could use the strong metal bed frame to her advantage. She quickly picked up the Ramon man's books that were piled next to the bed and moved them out of reach. They'd always been her favourite types. She often found herself wondering what this love thing they always described in such vivid details was like. It sounded wonderful on paper. She found some of the strong metal wire she used to make mole rat traps and snares, and she brought it back to the bed. Using a couple of pieces of cloth, she bound his wrists above his head to the frame and his ankles to the lower frame. Using the cloth to put between the wire and his flesh so it didn't cut off the circulation, caused him to have major difficulties. Despite all that his kind had done to her, it seemed somehow didn't seem right to cause him undue pain for no reason, or the very least until she got his truth and his plans out of him anyway. Once she was satisfied she, he was secure and couldn't escape, she quickly headed back to the door and checked her own barricade and camouflage to ensure that she'd left no sign as to their whereabouts. The last thing she needed was those two claws busting in here and going crazy, but it was all good. So wandering back into the room, she retrieved the only other piece of furniture that she'd actually kept and placed it beside the bed, a single solitary chair that she used to sit upon when she was preparing and eating her meals. Somehow just didn't feel civilised to lay on the bed with food. Plus all the pictures of human females she'd seen in her many books. They'd always been sat on chairs when they ate or read, so she did the same though she did read laid down on the bed from time to time. It was kind of her guilty pleasure to bend that rule. Now all she had to do was wait for the snow-furred human to wake up, and the questioning could begin. She didn't deny the electric thrill of excitement of actually having one of these creatures under her power, to have a human at her mercy for once. She wondered what he would say. Would he beg for his life? Would he plead for mercy? Would he break down and cry? Those and so many other questions rushed through her mind as she watched his unconscious form. Well, soon she'd have her answers. Those and many, many more. All she had to do was wait. Ladies and gentlemen, it's chapter 13. 
Oh, so what's going to happen to Seven? Who's got him? Will Visa rescue him? Will she go crazy? Yeah, going to have to tune in next time to find out. As always, if you can like, subscribe, leave feedback wherever you can, either via fanfiction.net or archiveofourown.org. Obviously, if you're going to the written version there and uh, you're reviewing the podcast, just please leave podcast in the title so I know which one you're actually talking about. Well, until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying I'll see you next time.